What's up, guys? We are in our second week of the WGT Challenge to win some free shirts or gift cards from us here at DNVR. Here's how you do it if you haven't been set up already. It's called World Golf Tour, and it's one of the best golf apps on the market. First, you got to download the game from freewgt.com to start. You won't be able to enter unless you download the game from freewgt.com. Second, you head over to the closest to the whole challenge and we'll pick a golf course and hole this week. It's the Valhalla Golf Course, hole number three that you are trying to get the closest to the hole on. And whoever gets closest to the hole that week will win that dope DNVR shirt of their choice or a gift card from a local restaurant. All you have to do is take a screenshot and tag us on Twitter or send it in to info at thednvr.com to qualify. This week, we already have a shot inside four feet, so you got to be sticking it close if you want to win the weekly challenge but there's also even more to win beyond that every week you play and send in a screenshot to us you will get entered in a raffle to win tickets or a jersey of your choice if you are out of state if you play every week you're going to get more chances to win that big prize so you'll have better odds it's a pretty sweet deal so one last time head on over to freewgt.com to download the game closest to the whole challenge and then just try and stick that ball as close to the hole as you can and send us the screenshot. Evan and I are both trying to play. To be honest, I don't think I'm particularly great at this game, but hey, I can at least get it on the green. So if you can do better than that, then you got to at least try and enter. Let's go ahead and jump into this show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Cole J! T! Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations, or you can check out online at mygreensolution.com and head to your local TGS Express checkout for pickup. You'll be in and out extremely quick, and you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. Back again is Evan Rowell to discuss what is now the fifth straight loss for the Colorado Avalanche, getting dropped by the Dallas Stars for the second time this week, losing 4-1. to one. Quite frankly, they did not play good hockey at all in any way, shape, or form. And to make matters worse, one of the sticking points for me was the Avs having to start a bit faster. And they did the exact opposite in this game, giving up a goal 20 seconds in. Evan, it just wasn't pretty, was it? No, and that's exactly what we talked about last or last podcast was that they need to get off to a good start, get get the lead, and uh, definitely didn't happen. And what they got, it took them sixteen minutes to get a shot on goal. So no, that was that was an ugly game for for ugly first period. They kind of picked it up in the second period a little bit, but uh, yeah, just overall not not good. Definitely not good enough. Yeah, it. We talked about. 
without the high-end talent, they simply aren't capable of digging themselves out of holes. And that's exactly what happened in this game. It felt eerily similar to the Coyotes game, where they fall behind early, have a tiny bit of pushback. They did at least manage to score a goal in this game, but it's just too hard for them to come back. Even when they're controlling the play, they can't muster enough offense to really be a significant threat a lot of the time. Yeah, it didn't seem like any of their chances at even strength were really coming in from in tight. So it was a lot of from the outside. Uh, it's just, it's just ugly right now, uh, ugly offensively. And uh, especially on the power play, it's, you know, we're, it feels like we're beating a dead horse here, but it's, it's getting pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, let's go ahead and, and get into the power play, right? Because they went over eight technically in this game, there were a couple of shortened ones, which can't be taking penalties on your own power play anyway, but it's just starting to get out of hand. One for their last 19 opportunities. You, that speaks for itself. The power play is approaching 5% effectiveness over the last four games. You can't be that bad. You simply have to be better. Yeah, you definitely have to be better. And the Avs had every opportunity to get back into this game because they were given plenty of chances on the power play to uh, get some goals, and it just wasn't happening. Their best power play was probably with a minute left, and none of it actually mattered because there was no way they were coming back. So it's just uh, it's very predictable right now, and when they can actually get into the zone, that is. And it's very easy to defend. And the Stars knew exactly what was happening. And Ben Bishop can, you know, if he's seeing everything, he's going to stop it. And it's that simple. What are you seeing as the problem on the entry? Because clearly tonight it was just brutal. The Evs completely struggled to get set up at any point in time on any of the power plays because they would just get stood up at the blue line. Well, the big problem with the power play, whether they're in the zone or whether they're entering the zone, is that it seems like they have one thing that they can do, and if that's if it doesn't work, then they don't have a plan B. It's just plan A, and there's no plan B. So uh, the drop pass, you know, if it's if it's covered up and teams are kind of covering that up right now, or if they uh, don't execute it properly, the Avs don't really have any other. Uh, breakout that they're using to get in so that's making things awfully difficult and when you only have one breakout or you're everyone knows what you're doing when you're in the zone it's very very easy to defend yeah you got to keep teams honest right you have to at least show them a different look so you can use your primary look a bit more at least functionally yeah and i mean we saw at times last year they would change it up like they did the wheel play with landis cog with Rantanen hitting landis cog but those guys aren't in the lineup right now and i don't know if they have anyone capable of doing that so they tried some things last year and they're just you know you're not seeing any of that right now and look it is a fair excuse to a certain point that you've lost two of your best three scores you expect your scoring to come down a little bit you expect your power play to be a little bit weaker but you're not expecting to go from a team that's scoring four goals a game to a team that has scored two goals in its last three games and a power play that's completely ineffective it's just the rest of this team is NHLers. They are NHL capable players. They should be capable of scoring to some extent. It needs to be better than this on the whole. Absolutely. And I think on natural stat trick, they say the Evs. Yeah, I don't know if I buy this because it feels like the 
you know, the comfort goal, I, I guess you'd probably consider that a rush, but they said the Avs didn't have any rush chances at even strength. So um, the Avs typically are at their best when they're in the transition game, and they're, the Stars have basically eliminated that in the two games that they've played them. So uh, they're going to have to get their nose dirty and start scoring some goals like that because uh, teams are just, you know, they're they're finding easy, they're making it look easy defending against the Avs right now. Yeah, and it does seem like the Avs are almost shying away from rush chances. They're not getting that extra man to jump up in the play, or when they looks like they might have a chance to the net, they just end up pulling up and waiting for the setup to happen. And the way they're playing right now, that just leads to an errant pass that ends any chance of an opportunity in the first place. Yeah, if you we've had this issue before where it's a lot of the defensemen taking the shots. Uh, if you look at the Avs, right, Zadorov had seven shot attempts, and that led the team tonight. And Makar was next with four. So the shot attempts were definitely coming from the outside, and even McKinnon, his shot attempts were not exactly high danger chances. So uh, it's just not looking good. They're just it's just too much perimeter play, and they're not uh, really attacking the uh the slot right now and getting creating any chances that are going to make life difficult for the other team yeah i i agree they're just a team that's too easy to defend right now and that's when they're even being effective in in trying to get into the offensive zone in the first place as you said in the first period the shots were 12 to nothing 14 minutes into this game what how do you get this team to start on time? They clearly are capable of playing better than they have in the last three first periods that they've played, but they just aren't showing up. Yeah. And it's, you almost wonder if it's mental right now. Uh, that, that, I mean, the first goal tonight was just, I, Gerard trying to do way too much. Cause it seemed like he just got yeah. attacked it from, he had somebody on him from behind and in the, I guess in front of him and it didn't seem like he had much outlet too. So the forwards need to take some blame there for not giving him much of a chance to move the puck, but uh, not the ideal way to start just giving up the puck twice in two seconds and it ended up being in the back of your net. So uh, I think a lot of it is mental right now. Maybe they're just in their own heads and like, I think we talked about it last podcast. They just need something to go right. Something to bank in off something and get a lead and, build some confidence from there and they they're not able to do that when they're down two nothing 10 minutes in yeah pretty much it makes it impossible for them to work from an even standpoint when they're behind immediately and clearly right now this team just does not look like a team that can afford to get behind yeah we'll go ahead and jump out of our first segment here when we come back through we'll probably talk about ranging different things from the Avs defense to Nathan McKinnon. We'll see where it takes us. But first, after a game like that, I definitely had a few Breck brews tonight and they are the official beer of DNVR. And so we got to acknowledge them. They are the original Colorado beer established in Breckenridge in 1990. And they have partnered up with Never Summer to host an opening day for the ski and snowboard season over at the Punch Bowl Social from 6 to 11 p.m. on November 8th. It's going to be an awesome event. They have the gin, do- gin doctors up on stage playing a bunch of awesome music. They'll have a bunch 
bunch of other things going on, whether it's 90s karaoke or the chance to win a sweet snowboard designed by Jamie Molina or epic passes for your trips up to the mountains this season. Really recommend going and checking it out. It's going to be a great event all the way around, and maybe it'll get your mind off the abs a little bit the way they've been playing lately. So, hey, it couldn't hurt. At least there's that. We will be back in segment two. The second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution with Ruto and Evan. The Avs had two challenges on Dallas goals in this game. Both of them failed. The first one, I do not get at all from a why did you challenge this based on what happened on the ice perspective. My only answer that I have to this is Bednar was like, oh God, we're starting horribly again, and maybe I'll just take a chance to get this goal erased. Yeah, Bednar doesn't seem like the type of guy that would panic. Uh, it definitely... Well, I mean, if you do watch it, I hit his he does his stick does get tangled up with Pavelski, but uh, it, it doesn't seem like there's much there. So it was definitely a a stretch, and to already be down one nothing and kind of take the risk of maybe going down two nothing immediately because you're going to be killing a penalty right afterwards is it's tough. Uh, not the way you want to start the game, and I don't think Bednar really panicked, but. Maybe the first time. He's usually pretty good with these challenges, so maybe he got some bad advice tonight for the first time in a long time. Yeah, uh, that one hurts. I I don't understand why they thought that would have been goalie interference. Yes, you're right. The stick is caught on Pavelski a little bit, but did not appear at all to be impeding his ability to save the puck, in my opinion. Probably because no one knows what goaltender interference is. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, The other challenge was a weird one, getting into some of the new rules on this season where you can challenge a play if a play was supposed to be whistled dead before the goal was scored. I've watched this goal a bajillion times. The Radic Fox's stick definitely breaks. It is a broken stick. I'm 98% sure it breaks when the puck hits it on the way in and gets deflected, and then Fox is scoops it in with a broken stick, but ultimately the goal ended up standing. I I don't know. I haven't seen an explanation from the NHL other than, well, the play wasn't supposed to be blown dead, so it's a good goal, but playing the puck with a broken stick is a penalty, and I just don't understand where the line is here. Yeah, and I mean, when we were at the watch party, it's just tough to tell what the heck's going on because there's no volume, but when you watch the replay, it's pretty clear the puck hits a stick but you can't really see that it's necessarily broken at that moment so i guess maybe that's kind of their excuse is that well we see it hits a stick but you can't actually tell that it's broken until he starts hitting the puck so um it's a weird one and that's another risky play because they had to kill a four minute penalty after afterwards so uh I honestly did not even know they could challenge for this, so it was kind of throwing me off guard here. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's not not something you're, I, I can't imagine we're going to see this ever again. So I, I think everyone is a little confused as to what's going on. Definitely a very strange one-off situation that was incredibly specific. I just don't understand the logic behind this situation if you're saying well we couldn't tell the stick was broken by looking at it then what's the point of being able to challenge it at all in the first place yeah i I mean they're making the challenge it's 
everyone's confused whether these challenges have to, I mean, most of the time anyway. So this one is even just makes everyone's a little bit more confused as well. So it, I mean, his stick is clearly broken when as soon as he touches the puck, it just snaps in half. And that's not the type of play that's going to just snap your stick in half. So I can definitely see the logic behind why the Avs did it. Uh, it's just, I mean, I'm sure the refs were like, I don't even know what to do here. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't imagine. I, I don't think that situation has ever come up before. And I, like you said, I would be surprised if it comes up again the rest of this year. So definitely a unique one. Did feel a bit like the abs were on the short end of the stick, maybe on that one. But then they got eight power plays and didn't score on a single one. So really hard to blame, blame the refs in this one. Yeah, the abs had plenty of chances to get back in this one they just didn't and they just did not play well enough and that's the story of the the last little while here it's just getting to be the same old story every night let's talk about the defense obviously you talked about Gerard's mistakes immediately on the first goal I've not loved Cole's play for the past week and a half now. EJ has disappeared offensively almost entirely. The only player consistently putting up points on the defense is Makar, and those are mostly through secondary assists. This defense just seems uninvolved offensively, and defensively, it's a bit of a scramble. Yeah, when you watch them, it almost seems like they're not on the same page as the forwards with the breakout. Breakout tonight was horrendous. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know about you, but I think that might have been the worst game Can, Gerard's played. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gerard was brutal, but the breakout itself, not only was the breakout bad, watching it especially through the second and the third period, just seeing Dallas put the forecheck on the defense and there being zero forward support was just brutal. Yeah. Well, it, you know, we, yeah, the first goal is just gerard's doing his thing back there he needs an outlet and there was no outlet there so um obviously he probably needs just needs to make the safe play and dump it out but it it, it's been a struggle and tonight was really really bad uh and i i tweeted in the third period but it was you could see that goal coming off a turnover because they were just turning the puck over every time they had a breakout and it wasn't forced turnovers it was just bad passes that were heading the other way and stupid decisions so um the defense i would say has been very very inconsistent this year and that might be putting it very lightly yeah no doubt about it do you how much of that do you attribute to the cycling of pairs because we've seen a lot of mixing and matching not only obviously with the forwards but we're starting to see it on the defensive side Makar was taking shifts with everyone tonight. You saw Graves getting shifts with Zadorov. You saw Graves getting shifts with Cole. Gerard got dropped down the lineup significantly, obviously having a tough night. Bednar moved away from him. Is it a little bit of that, or is this just kind of the way this defense is working right now? I don't really think it's too much of that. I just think they're not all, no one's really playing all that well. Uh, Z has been very up and down. Uh, tonight he obviously uh, the broken stick goal obviously we're looking at the broken stick but you know we've talked about him in front of the net not being very good and he loses his guy there uh, you look at Cole on the second goal his guy got three whacks at the puck and his stick was still yeah. not even being covered up uh, and then that goes in and you know we saw Gerard just missed passes everywhere 
Uh, EJ is a non-factor on the on the offensive end. I think he's doing you know fine defensively, and I saw some cracks in Gray's game tonight. So it's I don't really attribute too much of it to the defensive pairs mixing up because they've been. I mean, the, I think they're all just used to it. That it's going to happen by now. So I think it's just that they're not all playing very well and. With missing a couple guys up front, we said they need to lock it down defensively, and they sure didn't do that tonight. Is there something you can do, some kind of structure you can implement that would help the Avs in front of their own nets, or is it simply guys need to do their job and lift sticks and tie up pucks and make sure that these rebounds don't get pounded home again and again? Yeah, I'm not sure there's... I mean, I'm sure there's structure-wise something they can do, but the Avs just, you know, they've got a couple defensemen that are just not very good at it right now. Uh, and I think we, we focus a lot on the defense, and obviously they're not playing well, but defense comes with forwards too, and the Avs forwards are not playing very well defensively either. So uh, it's a whole team game, and right now the Avs are just falling behind because their entire team's not playing very well. Yeah, I... Don't disagree. Unfortunately, the Avs forwards are struggling up and down the ice as a whole. Instead of ending another segment on a horribly somber note, let's talk about Vlad Kamenev a little bit. He picked up his first point of the season in this game, a nice assist to Comfer. He's been one of the Avs' more solid forwards, I think, on both sides of the puck as well. Is he doing a little bit of making a case to stay in the lineup once people start getting healthy again? Well, I would think so, since Nachushkin, my boy, didn't score tonight. Uh, making, me look, <laughs> yeah. making me look bad. I thought he was going to get one. He, didn't. Uh, he came close again, but yeah. that's the story of his life. Yeah, so. That's the story of his last couple years there. So, yeah, I mean, I can't have the, the thing is he was – I don't think he was very good on the power play tonight. He kind of uh, flubbed a few passes and ended up going getting dumped down the ice. But uh, you see his vision and his creativity on that goal. Um, and it's a very subtle play, but the way he moves the puck forward to put it underneath the defenseman's stick to get it right to Confer on his forehand um, kind of makes a big difference because Confer is just able to whip it at that point. So uh, that's kind of a skill in his IQ. And I think he, he made a nice drop pass to Nachushkin in the third period. And if Nachushkin was paying any attention, he would have had the puck. Uh, but he kind of just looked at it too late and missed it, and the Stars took it away. So. You can see his creativity. I really do wish he would shoot. His first game, he shot the puck a lot. I wish he would shoot him more because, you know, we saw his release once tonight, and he missed the net, but he can whip it. And, you know, he's got skill, and, you know, it's he's getting maybe into a little bit of a rhythm right now, and, you know, that's good to see because right now we're looking for anything, the bright spot. Yeah, definitely any little flash of light, you'll take it as the abs right now. I did like his... I'm not going to say his defensive zone, but his defensive play through the neutral zone, I think he's very sound positionally and, and understands how to work his way into the path of the puck and has done a good job of breaking up plays before they can really get started. Yeah, he's a he's a very intelligent player. He kind of knows where to be in all, in all facets. And I can see him trying to be aggressive. You can see him being physical and throwing his body around that, you know, after he got the assist in the first period, Bednar threw that line out there to end the period. And you can see he was getting nasty in the corner a little bit. So um, I look at that as a good sign and certainly a good sign that Bednar threw him out there at the end. So hopefully he's gaining a little bit of trust in him because uh, a skilled guy in the bottom six doesn't hurt. 
no doubt about Especially it. Especially when the Yavs can't can buy a goal. Really, really use some skill at the moment. I think that's pretty clear. And while the game was a bit rough, the DNVR watch party was a good time. I was glad to have that to kind of cushion the blow of such a rough game a little bit. But you know what else is great about this DNVR family? We now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. They'll show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all of the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing all of the costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houseless preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Rudo and Evan. The Avs just, I don't want to say it's time to panic. I don't think it's time to panic yet, but if something doesn't change immediately, we're not that far from the panic button. Yeah, I'm not the panicking type. Uh, but it's not looking very good right now, so they definitely got to turn it around, and it's not uh, not going to get any easier this weekend. They got a Nashville coming in, so definitely got to turn this around real soon. It would be very abs to drop all of these games and then beat someone like Nashville. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> take anything right now. Well, let's talk Nathan McKinnon. 12 straight games with a point. He's gone pointless in these last two games. His play in the first game without Landy and Rantanen against Florida, he did seem to step up a little bit. But since then, he shot the puck a lot, but that doesn't mean he's playing good hockey necessarily. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I, I mean, I think he was fine tonight. It's just not the fine. Not the McKinnon the Avs need. Yeah, yeah. fine isn't good enough right now. Um, and I, we talked about it last podcast, but both he and Kadri, Kadri, I gotta get used to saying that. I still say it wrong every time. Kadri, they have to, uh, they're trying to do a little bit too much on their own right now. You can just notice them stick handling a little bit too much. So, um, you know, Kadri's not the type of guy that's gonna, you know, dominate off the rush. He's more of a, you know, half ice player where he slows the game down a little bit, but McKinnon, off the rush needs to be a little bit more aggressive and create a little bit more. And part of that is just the breakout was a jumbled mess tonight, but uh, just not good enough. And a lot of those power play shots, I I was happy. First shot of the game for the Avs, unfortunately, 16 minutes in was a one-timer from him, which I talked about. I want to see that more because I think he's got a bomb. Uh, but beyond that, it was just a lot of, it seemed like a lot of floaters that, you know, Ben Bishop's going to stop most of those. It's such a tough situation to really 
gauge him, especially in a game like this, because penalties were happening left and right. But at five on five, he just hasn't felt that effective. And I say that when the abs have been terrible on the power play as well, but that's where most of his shots are coming from. And the abs simply have to be a better team at five on five to not completely fall apart in games like this. Yeah, there was no flow whatsoever to this game tonight. With the Avs take three penalties in the first 10 minutes. So, yeah. And I guess one of them was the coach's challenge turning into a penalty. But uh, for McKinnon, who does not play on the penalty kill, it's hard to get into the game when you're sitting on the bench for the first 10 minutes. So uh, that's tough. And, yeah, I mean, at even strength, he – I mean, obviously we're focusing on him because he's the superstar and they need him to, you know, to step up a little bit here. But uh, – they just need a little. They need a lot more from him, and just uh, you know, we've talked about in the past that he pulls up and he looks for other people, and then you know, wouldn't you just love to see him just power through and just try to go to the net a couple times? Yeah, it's not going to work every time, but a player of that caliber's got to be able to do it himself. And if nothing else, you keep the defense honest. If you're doing it a couple times, then maybe they, you know, it, it's going to open up if you pull up a little bit more. Yeah, we, we've seen McKinnon is clearly fast enough to get defensemen to back off if they think he's going to commit. So why not take advantage of that? Yeah, and you know, they, he's he's taking a lot of shots and you want him to kind of be selfish and take a lot of shots, but not all shots are created the same. Right. So Let's, when you look at where those shots are coming from, you know, maybe half of them are from inside the circles where you want him to be shooting from. And that's not enough. Yeah, I would just, I mean, I would kill to see him just power to the net once. And just, because it's not just the speed, but he's a monster. Like, you can't stop yeah. this guy. He's and not a small else, dude. If if nothing else, he's probably going to draw a penalty. Which, you know, I guess may or may not be a good thing right now. But uh, you just want to see him power to the net and show that, you know, that speed and power. And at least show to your teammates, you know, I you know, I, I can still do this. And, you know, it's just a much better shot than pulling up and floating it at the net. Okay. Behind McKinnon, what do the Avs do with their depth? Comfer got on the board. I think this is the best game Comfer has played maybe all year at this point. He looked very, very solid and was one of the few Avs actually consistently creating offensive chances. But, there's just so little chemistry right now going on on this team. We even saw the fourth line kind of run into some issues in this game. Yeah. Uh, there's just, it's a jumbled mess after, after that, after McKinnon, I guess they don't really know what to do with the lineup right now. Uh, Burkowski started with Belmar and Calvert. I don't think he finished there. He seemed to play a little bit with everyone. Um, they need him to be a heck of a lot better than he's been. Uh, because now we're starting to kind of see why things didn't work out too well in Washington. It's just kind of disappears for long stretches of time. So um, we've talked about Joe's being significantly better at center. Uh, and, I, you know, I, don't, I think he was okay tonight. I don't think he was great. Uh, but just the lineup right now just forces him to be on the wing, and uh, maybe that's hurting his game a little bit. Definitely a fair point about Jost not being in his position, but it still doesn't change the lack of consistency from someone like Donskoy, from someone like Kadri, from 
players like Comfer, while he had a good game in this one, has been all over the map. The Avs' consistency is just nowhere to be found, and that's the one thing. When you lose your stars, you fall back on that. You fall back and rely on the hard work of your depth, and it's just not there. Yeah, well, I think you're seeing that when you know when you have a full lineup, everyone's slotted into their correct place, and everyone's going to look pretty good, but... Every player has a limitation, and Donskoy's limitations are showing right now that he's just, he's not a top line winger, and he's being asked to be a top line winger. So um, we're seeing him take penalties. Uh, it's not looking good. He's in the box, and yeah, I don't know what he was doing on the on the second goal. It seemed like he kind of got in Grubauer's way there. So um, this is a guy who, ha- you know, he's produced in the past, but. I think he went like 39 games without a goal last year in San Jose. So his consistency struggles are not something that are brand new either. So uh, we're just seeing that without these top line guys, that these guys, some other guys are being asked to step up into roles that they probably shouldn't be playing in most of the time. And it's, uh, you know, we're not seeing anyone step up and take that next step to be, you know, a top six forward. Yeah. I do think that sums it up. And it's a complete waterfall effect, right? Because you get those guys stepping up and everyone in the lineup has to step up and all of a sudden, almost everyone looks too far above their head. And even the players you're bringing in, Jason Magna, again, played less than five minutes in this game. So it's clear that the Avs management and Jared Bednar, the coaching staff, don't trust the call-up options they have to actually fill in behind these guys either. Yeah, and a good chunk of those, his ice time was because he was serving that I think he was serving the four-minute penalty, and he, when he came back on the ice, the Avs just got stuck in the yeah, road. They were stuck so, for a good minute and a half. So I that think was a so. good chunk of his ice time there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, would it even matter who they called up? They're just not going to play him, so it doesn't really make too much of a difference there. But we're also seeing, as good as that Belmar line is, they have their limitations too, and you can't just expect them to suddenly become a third line and. You know, obviously, they weren't going to score a goal every game, uh, but now that they're asked to be a little bit more than what they actually should be, then you know we're seeing just, like you said, their limitation. Yeah, it's, it's less about – I'm not worried about who they're calling – well, I am worried about who they call up, but that's a different conversation entirely. It's more about for a team that is, is touted as having one of the better farm systems as far as depth currently right now – where is the disconnect that they're, they don't have any faith in that farm system to provide them a player that can play eight, 10 minutes a night in the NHL, because that could legitimately help in a situation like this, where a bunch of players are getting overplayed. Yeah. uh, Well, we talk about the farm system and the guy who they bring up is a 29 year old journeyman. So they don't really have too much of farm system right now. We don't, I don't have faith that they're going to, First of all, that they would just call somebody up that would slide right in. Uh, we're seeing Cout doesn't. I don't. I, I didn't check the score tonight. I don't know. I still don't know if he has a point or if he's even back in the lineup. Uh, Bauer seems to be picking it up a little bit, but um, we've seen in the past. I mean, unfortunately, he's another center. I kind of would just rather see them just call him up, and you know, maybe he's just a more fit, better fit for a more structured game in the NHL than down in the AHL where things are a little bit more jumbled. Yeah, I, it, that's a tough situation. It, it is, but 
I would like to see the Avs have faith in a guy. Let even if it's Megna, let Megna play eight to twelve minutes a night, and if he messes up, he messes up. The rest of your team is already messing up in that role. So what could it hurt? Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't look good that they preached all summer, all all training camp. Everyone was saying, "Oh, this is the deepest the organization has ever been." Since I got here, and then as soon as two injuries, three injuries happen, and you have to call somebody up, and you don't want to play them. You just, they just don't yeah. play too much. So it's how does that look? Depth doesn't seem to mean anything in that case, right? Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, not a good night for the Avs. Their fifth straight loss. Any final thoughts on this ugly game? No, I mean, it just seemed like the 20 seconds in giving up a goal and then Gerard seemed like a very different player after that. So uh, it's just a fragile group right now and they just need something good to happen. And a hope and a prayer or something because this brand of hockey is not going to get them anywhere fast. All right. Well, that's going to do it as hopefully the abs can turn it around soon. But as always, thank you for listening and you will hear from us again tomorrow.